We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchos Nizkei Mamon. This is Parak Dalet Halacha Yud Aleph. And this piece continues a lot of the themes of the previous piece regarding what the nature of the Shomer, the watchman's obligation is to pay for the animal's damages. And this case talks about a watcher who gave the animal to another watchman. And Rab Chaim develops at further length the Rambam and the Raivid that he discussed in the previous piece regarding whether the owners maintain a responsibility for the animal's damages when they give it over to a shomer or only the shomer is responsible and not the owners. The Rambam writes, Mosar HaShomer LeShomer Acher. If the shomer gives the animal to a different watchman and then the animal damages, HaShomer HaRishon Chayev LeShalim LaNizak. The first shomer is obligated to pay to the nizak, to the one who was damaged. Shomer Shemosar LeShomer Chayev. Because a shomer who gives an animal to to another Shomer, the responsibility to pay for damages remains with the first Shomer. Then Nizak can say to the first Shomer, why didn't you watch the animal and instead you gave it to someone else? You pay me. So you first Shomer, pay me the damages directly. And then you can turn around and go to judgment with the second Shomer and try to get reimbursed for the fact that he didn't watch the animal. If the Shomer gave the animal not to a random person, but to his son or someone in his family or one of his workers, So in that case, since it's understood that the Shomer may leave the animal with one of the people in his household, he's not going to watch it all the time by himself. He might have his his son or his worker do it, so they are obligated to pay, and the Nizak cannot come back to the first Shomer, to the father or the head of the household. So according to the Rambam, if the Shomer passes over the animal to another Shomer, to a second Shomer to watch, and then the animal damages, so the Nizak can demand payment from the first Shomer because he had no right to give it to that person, unless the second Shomer was someone that everyone expected the first Shomer to hand the animal to, like his son or worker, which it's understood that he would hand over the animal to them, in which case they are responsible and not the first Shomer. Now the Ravid disagrees with this whole concept. This doesn't seem right. Rather, the Nizak collects from the second Shomer, or from anyone that he's able to. So the Ravid rejects this whole idea that when the Shomer gives the animal to a second Shomer, the first Shomer remains responsible. According to the Ravid, the second Shomer is responsible. And he argues against the Rambam's idea. Because if we're going to say that the Shomer should not have given the animal to someone else, so why doesn't the Nizak say the same thing to the owners? Why didn't you watch your animal? Why did you give it to a Shomer? So according to the Ravid, there is no such argument. Why did the Shomer give the animal to someone else? And it's not like the Halacha that the owners could say, Generally, the owners could say to the Shomer, you were supposed to watch it, not give it to someone else. But here, the owner is not losing anything because of the second Shomer. It's all the same from his perspective. 
So what does the owner care if the Shomer gives it to someone else? So according to the Ravid, there is no issue that the Shomer gave it to a second Shomer and the second Shomer is responsible for damages. Now the Magid Mishnah quotes that the source for these halachas is in the Gemara Bavakama Nunvav Amad Beis. The Mishnah there says, Mosra la roet nichnas tachtav. If he gives the animal to a shepherd, the shepherd is responsible for damages. And the Gemara explains that it refers to a Shomer who gave the animal to a shepherd. So the Shomer was supposed to be watching the animal and he gave the animal to the shepherd and then the animal damaged. So this is the exact case of a Shomer who gave it to another Shomer. And the Mishnah ruled that the second Shomer, the shepherd, is responsible to pay the damages. So the Gemara asks, that seems to contradict Rava's halacha that Shomer Shemasar le Shomer Chayev. If a Shomer gives the animal to another Shomer, the first Shomer remains responsible to pay for damages. So the Gemara answers, in the case of the Mishnah, this ro'ed that he gave the animal to is Barzilei. It's his worker. So that's why the Barzilei, the worker, is responsible because it's assumed that he's going to give him the animal. As opposed to when he gives it to a random person where the first Shomer remains responsible. So that's exactly where the Rambam got this overall framework from that if the Shomer gave it to a random person, the first Shomer is responsible. And if he gave it to his worker or to his son, so that's expected, so then the second Shomer becomes responsible. Now, there is a debate how to understand this halacha in the Gemara. Rashi understands that the whole issue is which Shomer has to pay the owners if the animal itself gets damaged. So obviously, if the owner leaves the animal with the Shomer and the animal gets damaged, someone has to pay the owner. The question is, which Shomer? The Rambam understands this whole halacha very differently that it's talking about where this animal damaged another animal. So the question is which Shomer has to pay the Nizak? So that's why the Rambam writes that if the Shomer gave it to another Shomer that was unexpected, so the first Shomer remains responsible to pay the Nizak. But Rab Chaim says that the Ravid is asking a very strong question. Since the owners don't care which Shomer was watching their animal because they're not losing money, so what does the Nizak care whether it's the first Shomer or the second Shomer? So why is he able to come to the second Shomer and say, you're not the real Shomer? I want to be paid by the first Shomer. In addition, says Rab Chaim, this whole Gemara is going according to Rava. And Rava in the Gemara Bab Metziah explains the reason a Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, if a Shomer gives the animal to another Shomer, the first one remains responsible, is because at The owners can say, I believe the first person if they swear. There are times when the Shomer doesn't pay, but instead he swears as to what happens and is exempt. So the owners can say, I believe the first Shomer, but I don't believe you. I don't know you from a hole in the head. So I don't believe the second Shomer. So that's why the first Shomer remains responsible because the owners don't believe the second Shomer. So if so, what does this have anything to do with the Nizak? When an animal damages someone's property, the owner doesn't make a vow. There is no Shvua to the person that was damaged. So what does this whole 
halacha have anything to do with the case of the nizak, the whole basis of the halacha was that the owners don't trust the second shomer's shvua. But in the case of the nizak, there is no shvua. So what does he care whether it's the first shomer or the second shomer? And Rab Chaim says that this is part of the Ravid's overall question. In other words, the Ravid is arguing on the Rambam that this whole halacha has nothing to do with the case of damages because there is no shvua. So there's no difference between the first shomer or the second shomer. The nizak doesn't care who pays him. So the Ravid holds like Rashi. The whole halacha of shomer shemasar l'shomer has to do with when the animal itself was damaged and the owner is coming to collect the damages. So then the first shomer is responsible because the owner can say, I don't want to deal with the second shomer. I don't believe him. But in the case of damages where the nizak is coming to collect the money, so there is no such halacha. The nizak can collect from the second shomer and if he doesn't have or if it's annoying, then he collects from the other shomer. But there is no priority as to which shomer he needs to go and collect from. Now, the Magid Mishnah has a strong counter to this question of the Ravid, and the Lecha Mishnah in the end of his comments also echoes this, and they both say that they don't understand what the Ravid is asking on the Rambam, because the ruling of the Rambam is an explicit Gemara in Babakama. So the context of the Gemara's discussion in Babakama is not when the animal got damaged, it's when the animal damaged someone else. So the case in the Gemara seems clear that it's talking about when there is a Nizak, and still the Gemara applies the whole concept of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, that the first Shomer is responsible. So according to the Magid Mishnah, the Rambam's interpretation that Shomer Shemasar le Shomer also applies to the Nizak collecting is almost explicit in the Gemara because it quotes the whole issue in the context of when the animal damaged and there is a Nizak coming to collect. So he doesn't even understand why Rashi and the are disagreeing with this whole approach and saying that Shomer Shemasar Shomer does not apply when the animal damaged, only when the animal got damaged. So that's the back and forth between the Rambam and the Ravid over how to interpret this halacha. But we're still left with the question of the Ravid, which is why should the Nizak care which Shomer is the one paying him? So to answer this, Rab Chaim wants to understand the conceptual basis of this halacha. And he asks, according to the view that Shomer Shemasar le Shomer is putter, so those who disagree with Rava and they hold that the first Shomer is no longer responsible once he gives the animal to a second Shomer. So what is their view? Is it that they feel that the first Shomer loses his status as a Shomer? He's totally out of the picture because since he gave it to a valid second Shomer, that person now assumes the status of the Shomer. They are responsible for the animal and the first person loses his whole responsibility of being a Shomer. Or does it not work that strongly? The first Shomer remains a Shomer. He's still considered a Shomer in this case, but he has an exemption because he gave it to a valid Shomer. So even though the first Shomer remains a Shomer, but he did his job, so to speak. So he's not going to have to pay for damage Damages because he's exempt because he gave it to a valid Shomer. And even according to Rava, who holds that Shomer Shemasar the Shomer, the first Shomer is still responsible, but even according to him, we could still ask the same question because the only reason Rava holds the first Shomer remains responsible is because the owner can say, I don't believe the second guy's Shvua. I only believed the first one. But if not for that logic, 
So in fact, the first Shomer would be exempt. So what is the reason for that? Is it because he's no longer a Shomer? He's out of the story because someone else took his place? Or is he still a Shomer, but he's exempt because he gave it to another Shomer? So Rab Chaim proves that in fact, theoretically, the first Shomer totally loses his spot. There is this logic of Rava that the owners don't trust the second Shomer, so that's why the first Shomer has to pay. But theoretically, when the Shomer gives the animal to the second Shomer, he's totally done. It's not just an exemption. He's no longer a Shomer. And the proof for this is because the Gemara says that the view Shomer Shemasa le Shomer, the first Shomer is exempt, is even if the second Shomer is a lower level of Shomer. So let's say the first Shomer was being paid. So he has a higher level of responsibility. And then he hands it over to another Shomer who's for free. So now the level of responsibility has gone down. Still, the first Shomer is exempt according to the view that Shomer Shemasa Shomer is Pater. So now if this is an exemption for the first Shomer, so how can he be exempt in this case where he did not give it to an equal level Shomer? He gave it to a lower level Shomer. So how does he have an exemption from responsibility in this case? Says Rab Chaim, we see from here that it must be more than an exemption. It's that the Shomer is totally removed from the situation. It's as if there is no more first Shomer. The second Shomer is fully the Shomer, so only he's responsible, even though he's a lower level of Shomer. Now, Rab Chaim adds in that there still should be liability for the first Shomer because of the very fact that he removed himself from being a Shomer. That itself should create liability because the owners gave him an animal to watch and he should have returned it if he wasn't watching it. And instead he gave it to a lower level Shomer. So why isn't he liable for that very action that he took himself out of being a Shomer? Even though what happens afterwards he's not responsible for because he's no longer a Shomer. But the fact that he removed himself from being a Shomer, so he should be liable for that moment. So Rab Chaim says, because since he gave the animal to Abar Da'as, the second Shomer is someone who is fit to watch an animal, so therefore he's not liable for that moment. So the only liability would be for what happened later on, and at that point he's totally out of the picture, so he's exempt even though he gave it to a lower level Shomer. So we see that in the view of Shomer Shemasa Shomer, the first Shomer is Pater, it means that he's no longer a Shomer at all, not only that he's exempt from liability because the second Shomer is watching the animal. Now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, in fact, the whole debate of Shomer Shemasa Shomer, whether the first Shomer is Pater or Chayiv, all centers on this conceptual issue. As we just saw, the view that the first Shomer is Pater means that he's no longer a Shomer, as opposed to the view that he's Chayiv. So he holds that the first Shomer continues to be a Shomer even though he has an exemption because he gave it to the second Shomer, so there is someone watching this animal, but still the first Shomer remains a Shomer. So that's why the owners can come and say, we only believe the Shvua of the first Shomer because he's still in the picture. Now, even though without that argument, the first Shomer would be exempt, that's an exemption because he has someone else watching the animal. But he's not removed from the story. He doesn't lose his 
his status as a Shomer, which is why the owners can come and say, we want a Shavua from the first Shomer, as opposed to the other approach, which holds that the first Shomer loses his status as a Shomer. So the owners can't require a Shavua from the first Shomer because he's no longer in the picture. So basically, both of these approaches line up on this issue. If you hold that the first Shomer loses his status, he's out of the picture entirely, so then the owners can't require a Shvua from the first Shomer. They have to go to the second Shomer, and the first Shomer is totally exempt because he gave the animal to a fit Shomer, so he has an exemption. Whereas if you hold that the first Shomer remains a Shomer, so he does have an exemption because he now has a second Shomer, Shomer who's watching the animal for him, but the owners can still demand a Shvua from the first Shomer because they prefer that they don't believe the second Shomer. So these two views are arguing about this issue over a Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, whether the first Shomer merely has an exemption or he's totally out of the situation. And says Rab Chaim, this approach makes sense of why the Gemara seems to mix and match two unrelated issues. On the one hand is the issue of Shomer Shemasar Shomer, whether the first Shomer is Pater or Chayiv, that's one issue. And that centers on whether the owners can say, we only believe the first Shomer's Shvua, not the second Shomer's. And then there's another issue of Gerue Gare Lishmiroso, that he lowered the level of the watching. So if he gives the animal to a lower level Shomer, it now has less Shmira. So that issue depends on whether we say that the first Shomer is responsible for having given the animal to a lower level Shomer or not. So those seem on the surface like unrelated halachic issues and the Gemara combines them together. So it says that the view that the first Shomer is putter applies even if he gave it to a lower level Shomer and the view that the first Shomer is Chayiv applies even if it's an equal level Shomer. So why is the Gemara combining these two seemingly unrelated issues? Says Rab Chaim, according to his explanation, this makes sense because they both center on the exact same conceptual issue. If you hold that the first Shomer remains a Shomer, he only has an exemption because someone else is watching it. So two things follow from that. First of all, he's Chayiv because the owners can say, we want your Shavuot. We don't believe the second Shomer. And additionally, if he gives it to a lower level Shomer, then he's still obligated because he doesn't have an exemption. The only exemption is if he gives it to an equal level Shomer, so then he could say that he replaced himself as a Shomer. But if he gives it to a lower level Shomer, so he didn't replace himself, so he's certainly obligated if something happens. Now, on the other hand, if you hold that the first Shomer is totally out of the story, so again, there's two outcomes. One is that he's putter because the owners can no longer require his Shvua because he's not a Shomer. And second, even if he gives it to a lower level Shomer, he's still putter because even though that person didn't totally replace him, but he's still out of the story. Now, the only liability would be for the very fact that he took himself out of the story and gave the animal to a lower level Shomer. But since the second Shomer is not a totally incompetent Shomer, he's a regular competent fit Shomer. He's just not as high a level as the first Shomer. So that's enough that he doesn't have liability for the moment of handing off the animal. So since he's not liable for that moment, he gets himself out of the scenario. He's no longer a Shomer. The second Shomer 
is the only Shomer, so he's exempt even though the second Shomer is a lower level Shomer. So these two issues are interrelated because they both come back to the same question as to whether the Shomer, Shemasa le Shomer, the first Shomer has an exemption or he's totally removed as a Shomer. So that's why the Gemara puts these two issues together because since they're interdependent, so they both follow from the same thing. The view that Shomer, Shemasa le Shomer is Pater holds that the first Shomer is Pater even if he gives it to a lower level Shomer because again, he's removed from the situation so he has no more responsibility. The other view that the first Shomer is Chayiv holds that even if he gives the animal to an equivalent level Shomer, so the second Shomer is no worse, he's exactly the same, still the first Shomer is Chayiv because the owners can say, we only believe your Shvua, not the second Shomer. So these two issues both follow from the same thing and that's why the Gemara groups them together. So now, so far, Rab Chaim's created this whole framework within the case where the animal itself got damaged. Now, in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim applies this framework to the case where the animal damaged. So again, if the animal damages, the Shomer has to pay the damages. So Rab Chaim wonders if a Shomer gives the animal to another Shomer. According to the view in the Gemara that the first Shomer remains a Shomer, he just has an exemption for damages to the animal. So if the animal itself damages, do we say that that first Shomer is exempt or not? Meaning, does the exemption of damages to the animal extend to damages from the animal? So Rab Chaim points out, according to the view of the Raivid at the beginning of this chapter, which was a big theme in the previous piece of Rab Chaim, the Raivid says that the owners are also responsible along with the Shomer for the damages of the animal. So the Raivid actually has two perspectives. One is that when the owners give the animal to a Shomer and the animal damages, only the Shomer is responsible. The owners have no responsibility in that case. And the second was that both the owners as well as the Shomer have responsibility. So says Rab Chaim, according to that view, so it's clear that a Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, certainly the first Shomer remains responsible for damages because even the owners who give the animal to a Shomer are still responsible for damages. So likewise, a Shomer who gives the animal to another Shomer remains responsible for the animal's damages. And this is based on Tosos and Babakama Nunva Tosvo says the reason a Shomer has to pay the damages is like the owners, not as a Shomer. Meaning the fact that overall a Shomer has to pay damages is because the Shomer assumes the status of the owners and one of those responsibilities is paying for damages. It's not a special halacha as part of being a Shomer that he has to cover the damages. And Rab Chaim adds that it has to be that way logically because we never find an obligation for a Shomer to cover the damages. The whole concept of a Shomer is to protect the animal from damages. So where do we ever come up with this new idea that a Shomer has to pay for the damages of the animal? So it must be like Tosos is saying, it's not one of the rules of a Shomer. It's because in that regard, the Shomer is the stand-in for the owners. And the owners clearly have an obligation to compensate the Nizak for damages. So that obligation transfers to the Shomer. So if the Shomer is the stand-in for the owners in that regard, and we put this together with the Raivid, that if the owners pass the 
the animal to a shomer, they're still responsible for damages. So likewise, if the shomer gives the animal to another shomer, he's still responsible for damages. Now, if we compare this to the other halacha of shomer shemasar le shomer, and then the animal itself got damaged, so there's a discrepancy. Because as Rab Chaim said, when the animal itself got damaged, theoretically the first shomer is exempt, if not for the argument that the owners can say, we don't trust the second shomer's shvua. But if not for the shvua issue, the first shomer is exempt. And now we're saying when it comes to damages, the first shomer is obligated. So Rab Chaim explains that the difference is because when the animal itself gets damaged, so that is the responsibility of the shomer. Now, since this shomer passed along the animal to another shomer, so the first shomer is exempt. But when the animal itself damages, that's an obligation on the mazik, whoever's considered the damager has to pay. Now, generally, that's the owners. But as Tosvos just said, in this case, the shomer assumes the status of the owners, so he's the mazik. So since the shomer is the mazik, he has to pay. So that explains why there's a difference between these two cases, that if the animal damages, the first shomer is still responsible because he is considered the mazik and giving the animal to another shomer did not remove that status from him. In addition, Rab Chaim adds another component to this, which is a similar idea, but another formulation, that when a shomer gives the animal to another shomer and the second shomer does a reasonable watching and the animal gets damaged, so the first shomer is exempt because this animal was guarded. Even though it wasn't by him, it was by the second shomer that he appointed, but the person that he selected did watch the animal, so the first shomer is exempt. But in the case where the animal damages, so there is an obligation to pay those damages. So the first shomer can't pass it off to the second shomer and say, well, he did the watching because since there's an obligation to pay and the first shomer is one of the people involved, so he also shares responsibility to pay for the damages. So that's why in that case, the first shomer remains obligated, even though when the animal is damaged, he's putter. So these ideas explain the difference between the shomer shemasar le shomer in the case where the animal got damaged versus where it damaged. Now, even though practically we're in the view in the Gemara that there is no difference, in both cases, the first shomer is obligated, but on a theoretical level, there's a key difference. When the animal gets damaged, the first shomer is actually exempt, if not for the shvua issue, but when the animal damages, so the first shomer is not exempt at all, he's inherently obligated because he is considered the mazik, he's the stand-in for the owners, and there's no way for him to get out of that. And additionally, there is an obligation for him to compensate the damages, and he can't get out of that. So in those ways, when the animal damages is different than when the animal gets damaged, where theoretically the first shomer is exempt, even though he ends up having to pay because of the shvua. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation for how this plays out according to the view in the Gemara that shomer shemasar le shomer is chayiv, because the first shomer continues to be a shomer, even though he has an exemption when the animal itself is damaged. So now Rab Chaim's shown how 
how this all plays out when the animal is the damager. But says Rab Chaim, according to the other view in the Gemara, that Shomer Shemasa le Shomer is putter. And the way Rab Chaim explained that perspective, it's that the first Shomer is totally out of the story. He's no longer considered a Shomer at all. So then it's clear that even if the animal damages, so the first Shomer is still exempt because he has nothing to do with this situation. He's not a Shomer at all. So we can't say that he's a replacement for the owners because he's removed from the whole scenario. So certainly according to that view, even if the animal does the damaging, the first Shomer is exempt. So Rab Chaim has now shown that the debate in the Gemara of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, which was said in the context of the animal getting damaged, now is the same debate also if the animal goes ahead and damages. So the two debates are intertwined. So this is now going to answer the question that Rab Chaim began with on the Rambam. The Gemara in Babakama applies the debate of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer to a case where the animal damaged. And the question was that originally that debate was said in the case where the animal got damaged. Says Rab Chaim, now we see that this is the same issue. Because the issue of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, when the animal gets damaged, the central conceptual debate is whether the first Shomer totally removed himself or he just exempted himself, but he's still a Shomer. And that same debate translates into the case where the animal damaged. According to the view that the Shomer remains a Shomer, so he's responsible. According to the other view, he's exempt. So it makes sense that the Gemara says that this same debate applies in the case where the animal did the damage. Now, even though when it comes to the animal getting damaged, the reason the first Shomer is Chayiv is because of the Shvua issue, and that has no bearing in the case where the animal damaged, because there is no Shvua to the Nizak. So that seems to be a difference between these two cases. Says Rab Chaim, that's only a technical difference. Because when the animal gets damaged, so theoretically the first Shomer is exempt, because there is a valid Shomer who's watching the animal. So that's why we bring in the issue of the Shvua, that since the owners don't trust the second Shomer, Shvua, so that's why the first Shomer is obligated. But when it comes to damages, so the first Shomer remains obligated because he's the Mazik or because there's an obligation to compensate the Nizak that doesn't leave the Shomer. So there's no reason to apply the Shvua. In other words, the outcome is going to be the same in both those cases, even though there is no Shvua in the case of the Nizak, because there's another reason that the first Shomer is obligated. So the Gemara is not comparing the two cases on that level with regards to Shvua. It's comparing them on a conceptual level that once we see that the first Shomer remains a Shomer, so then he's also obligated to pay for damages, as opposed to the other view that the the Shomer is no longer a Shomer at all, so then he does not have to pay for damages. So the Gemara's comparison of these two cases makes perfect conceptual sense according to Rab Chaim's explanation. But says Rab Chaim, this whole approach only works in the view of the Raivid that when the owners give the animal to the Shomer, both the owners and the Shomer are responsible for the damages. But there is another view in the Raivid that only the Shomer is responsible and the owners have have no responsibility. So according to that view, it's clear that according to all opinions, if the Shomer gives the animal to another Shomer, the first Shomer is certainly not obligated in damages. Because
because he can't be worse than the owners. And just like the owners are totally exempt when they give the animal to a shomer, so to the shomer who gives the animal to another shomer, both opinions in the Gemara are going to agree that the first shomer is not obligated in damages, even according to the opinion that he would be obligated to pay if the animal got damaged. Because that has to do with the fact that the owners could say, I don't believe the second shomer. But the nizak doesn't have that argument. So here it's clear that the first shomer is totally exempt and the second shomer has to pay. So now we're back to the question on the Gemara. Why does the Gemara compare these two seemingly unrelated issues when according to this perspective in the Raivid, the shomer shemasar l'shomer and then the animal damages, everyone's going to agree that the first shomer is exempt. So according to this view of the Raivid, Rab Chaim explains that there is still a case where if the animal damages, it's going to depend on the conceptual issue of whether the first Shomer is still considered a Shomer or not. And that is the exceptional case where the second Shomer was an Ones. So through no fault of his own, he was unable to watch this animal from damaging. So in that case, since the Shomer is not responsible at all because it was something he couldn't control, so the responsibility reverts back to the original owners. So if the Shomer gives it to a second Shomer and the second Shomer is an Ones, through no fault of his own, he's unable to watch the animal and the animal goes and damages. So now the responsibility reverts to the first Shomer, but only if the first Shomer is still a Shomer. If he's no longer a Shomer at all, so then the responsibility can't revert to him. So this is a case even where the animal damages, which depends on the original issue of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer, whether the first Shomer has an exemption or he's no longer a Shomer at all. So that's what the Gemara is discussing in this specific case, only when the second Shomer was in Ones. And that's in fact how the Gemara understands this Mishnah. It says, Nichnas The shepherd is the new Shomer. So the first Shomer is totally exempt, including even if the second Shomer is in Ones. So even in that case where the second Shomer is not responsible, the responsibility does not go back to the first Shomer. It goes all the way back to the owners. And the reason is because the first Shomer is totally out of the picture. So that's what the Gemara says. This issue depends now on the question of Shomer Shemasar le Shomer. Just like the key conceptual issue in that debate is whether the first Shomer only has an exemption or he's no longer a Shomer, so too in this case where the second Shomer was an Ones, whether the first Shomer is responsible or the owners are responsible depends on what the status of the first Shomer is. So that explains how the Raivid in this perspective reads that Gemara that it's referring specifically to the case where the the second Shomer was an Ones. If the second Shomer didn't watch the animal through negligence, so then certainly the first Shomer is exempt because the second Shomer is responsible. But if the second Shomer is not responsible for not watching the animal, so then according to the view that the first Shomer is Chayiv, in this case, he is responsible. And according to the other view that he's Putter, in this case, the owners are responsible.
And says Rab Chaim, this approach fits very nicely into the Gemara. Because the Gemara asked, how could the Mishnah say that the first Shomer is exempt according to the view in the Gemara that the first Shomer is Chayiv? So the Gemara answered, the case of the Mishnah is referring to Barzilai, his apprentice. So since the owner knew when he gave the animal to the first Shomer that he was going to give it to his helper, so the first Shomer is exempt in that case. So there's an exception for the Shomer's own workers and people that he's expected to give it to. Says Rab Chaim, why did the Gemara go down that approach? Why didn't it give a different answer, which is that the first Shomer gave it to a Shomer that the owner uses as a Shomer? Because there's another exception to the overall rule that the first Shomer is Chayiv when the first Shomer gives the object to another Shomer who the owners very often entrust with their objects. So let's say there's another guy that this owner always leaves things with. And then the Shomer leaves the object with that guy. So again, the first Shomer is exempt because the owner can't say to the first Shomer, I don't trust the second Shomer. He uses him himself all the time. So why did the Gemara give that answer? That the case of the Mishnah is where the second Shomer is someone that's trustworthy to the owners and that's why the first Shomer is exempt. Says Rab Chaim, according to his approach, this makes sense. Because the concept that the second Shomer is trustworthy only applies when the animal got damaged. So in that case, the owner can't say to the first Shomer, I don't trust the second Shomer. But when this animal damaged, so in order to exempt the first Shomer, he needs to be removed from the whole situation. And that doesn't happen by giving it to someone that the owners trust. That only happens through Barzilei, through his apprentice. As the Rambam writes in Elchoshelo Pikadon Dalit Tess, that whenever the Shomer gives it to his helper, so the first Shomer is no longer obligated because the second one assumes full responsibility. So that's what the Gemara in Babakama was looking for, a case where the first Shomer is removed from the whole situation and has no responsibility. So that applies when he gives the animal to his helper, as opposed to if he gives it to someone that the owner trusts. So the Rambam in Hilchus chapter 1 rules that even if the Shomer gives it to someone that's known to be trusted by the first owner, if it's a lower level of Shmirah, so it goes down in the level of responsibility, the first Shomer is obligated. So we see very clearly from that that giving it to someone the owner trusts does not remove the first Shomer entirely from the situation. He's still a Shomer, he just has an exemption. So that's why if he gives it to a lower level Shomer, he remains obligated because the second Shomer is not the same level of Shmirah, so he doesn't have an exemption. So we see from this ruling in the Rambam that giving it to someone the owner trusts does not entirely remove the first Shomer. It's just an exemption that he doesn't have to pay. So we see from these two rulings in the Rambam that there is a key difference between the Shomer giving it to someone the owner trusts versus giving it to his helper. When he gives it to his helper, the first Shomer is out. He's no longer a Shomer anymore. As opposed to the other case where he's still a Shomer, he just has an exemption. So now the Gemara in Baba 
Vekama needs a case where the first Shomer is no longer a Shomer at all because that's the only way to get out of having to pay for the animal's damages. So that's why the Gemara goes with the case where he gave it to his Barzile, his helper, not the other case because that's the case where the first Shomer is totally removed from the situation. So that explains why he doesn't have to pay the damages. In the other case where he gave it to someone that the owner trusts, so he would not have to pay if the animal gets damaged, but if the animal damages, so then the first Shomer would still be responsible. But now, says Rab Chaim, there's still a problem comparing these two cases when the animal gets damaged versus when it damages. And this time it's a logical problem, which is when the animal gets damaged, so it makes sense to say that the first Shomer is not exempt because he accepted responsibility to return this animal to the owner. So since the animal got damaged, even though someone else was watching it, it makes sense that he still has responsibility to compensate the owners. As opposed to when the animal itself damages, so the Shomer never accepted responsibility to pay the Nizak for damages. That's a new obligation that just started because this animal damaged, so someone has to compensate him, but why can't the first Shomer say, this has nothing to do with me? I wasn't watching the animal when it damaged. So there is a basic difference between the Shomer compensating the owners versus compensating the Nizak because he accepted responsibility to the owners, which he did not do to the Nizak. So why do we assume that the first Shomer has to compensate the Nizak for the damages? Says Rab Chaim, even though logically we could have made this kind of argument, but that's exactly what the Magid Mishnah is saying, that the Gemara in Babakama is clearly saying that a Shomer who gives the animal to another Shomer, the first Shomer does have to pay for damages. So however to explain this logically, but there is a clear proof in the Gemara that that's the halacha, that the first Shomer is still responsible for damages. And in fact, Rab Chaim adds, the Raivid doesn't even seem to argue on this point because the Raivid didn't say that the Nizak has to collect only from the second Shomer. The Raivid said that he can collect from whoever he wants, the first or the second. So obviously the Raivid also agrees that the first Shomer maintains some responsibility for the damages. Now, the Raivid himself had disagreed with the Rambam because he said the only reason if the animal is damaged, the first Shomer is Chayiv, is because the owner can say, I don't trust the second person. And that doesn't apply to the Nizak. So according to that line of argument, the Nizak should have to collect from the second Shomer, not the first. The first should be totally exempt. So why does the Raivid say that the Nizak can collect from whoever he wants. So again, it must be that the Raivid also holds that both Shomrim, the first and the second, are responsible for the damages. So even though the Nizak doesn't have a specific argument why he wants to collect from the first Shomer, but he can choose whichever Shomer to collect from because it's the equivalent of the Raivid's view that when the owners give the animal to the Shomer, both the owners as well as the Shomer are responsible. So likewise, when the Shomer gives the animal to another Shomer, both Shomers remain responsible to pay for the damages. So even though the Nizak doesn't have a specific argument why he wants to collect from the first Shomer, he could choose to because the first Shomer remains responsible. Now, all of this is only in the perspective of the Raivid that both the owners and the Shomer are responsible. What about the other view that the owners are exempt and only the Shomer is responsible? So in the case of a Shomer Shemaster the Shomer, likewise, only the second Shomer 
should be responsible. The first one should be totally exempt from paying damages. So based on that, Rab Chaim has a very creative interpretation of this comment in the Raivid. The way the Raivid phrased it was that the Nizak Gove Min Hasheni, he could collect from the second Shomer, Ome Eze Sheyertze, or from whichever Shomer he wants. So Rab Chaim explains that the Raivid is actually giving two alternative approaches. The first is that he has to collect from the second Shomer, and then he gives another approach, which is that the Nizak can choose who to collect from either the first or the second Shomer. And these two approaches are based on his two approaches in the earlier comment. If we take the approach that only the Shomer is responsible, the owners are totally exempt. So in this case, the Nizak has to collect from the second and Shomer, the first Shomer is totally exempt. If we take the other approach that the owners are responsible along with the Shomer, so in this case, both Shomers are responsible and the Nizak can choose to collect from either one of them. So the Raivit is not saying two different halachas or two different options. He's following up on the two approaches that he articulated earlier and he's showing how they would each play out in this halacha. So now it comes out that the Raivid does not fundamentally disagree with the Rambam over whether the first Shomer is responsible to pay for the damages. The Raivid agrees with the Rambam's view that that is what the Gemara in Babakama is discussing. Originally, Rab Chaim was saying that the Raivid agrees with Rashi, that there is no such concept that the first Shomer has to pay the damages, only that the first Shomer has to pay when the animal is damaged. But now Rab Chaim saying, we see in the Raivid that he he does have a concept that the first Shomer has to pay. So the Raivid's question against the Rambam is not how could the Rambam say that the first Shomer possibly has to pay when the animal damages. The Raivid is asking a weaker question. He also agrees practically that the first Shomer is responsible, but he's asking on the formulation of the Rambam. The Rambam said because the Nizak can say to the first Shomer, why didn't you watch the animal why did you give it to the second Shomer? So that's the parallel of what the owners say. In other words, if the Shomer gives it to the second Shomer and then the animal gets damaged, so the owners can come and say to the first Shomer, why didn't you watch it? Why did you give it to the second Shomer who we don't trust? So the Rambam applies that same basic argument for the Nizak as well, that he can come to the first Shomer and say, why didn't you watch it and you gave it to someone else instead? So on that, the Raivid asks, how could you apply that argument to the Nizak? He has no say in who the Shomer should have been. It's not like the owners where they have a right to expect the first Shomer to watch it. The Nizak has no say in which Shomer watches this animal. So how can the Rambam say that the basis of this halacha, the reason the first Shomer has to pay is because the Nizak can make an argument that he should have been the Shomer. Says the Raivid, that cannot be the conception basis for this halacha because the Nizak has no say in that. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam. It's not on the practical halacha that the first Shomer is responsible. It's on the way the Rambam formulated that halacha. So to explain the view of the Rambam, Rab Chaim returns to the Rambam that was the subject of the previous piece. The Rambam earlier in Halacha Dalit writes, Hamoser behemto l'shomer. If someone gives his animal to a Shomer, so the Shomer is responsible and if 
the animal damages, the Shomer is obligated to pay. That's only if the Shomer did not watch it. But if the Shomer did a good, proper watching, the Yotza, the Hezika, and still the animal got out and damaged, so then the Shomer is exempt because he did a good watching, so he does not have to pay for damages, and the owners have to pay. So we see from this Rambam that the only time the owners have to pay is when the Shomer is exempt. But if the Shomer has to pay, so then the owners are totally exempt. So the Rambam holds like that perspective in the Raivid that whenever the Shomer is responsible, the owners are totally off the hook. So now says Rab Chaim, this only strengthens the Raivid's question in our halacha. Because if the Rambam himself agrees that when the Shomer is obligated, the owner is not, so how can he possibly say in this case that the first Shomer is still obligated? It should be the same thing. Just like when the owner gives the Shomer the animal, he's no longer responsible for damages. So when the first Shomer gives the animal to the second Shomer, he should also be exempt from damages, same as the owner is exempt. So how can the Rambam possibly say in this halacha that the first Shomer is still obligated in damages, which is totally different from what he said regarding the owners, that they are exempt from the damages. So what's the difference between the first Shomer and the owners? So Rab Chaim answers that the Raivid already gave us the key to the solution. The Raivid on the earlier halacha asks that how could it be if the Shomer did a good solid watching that the owners have to pay for damages? Everybody should be exempt in that case. So the Raivid explained that the case must be where the animal got out. So the Shomer was watching it, but the animal managed to get out. And the Shomer did not know that the animal got out, but the owners did know that the animal was out. So that's why the owners are responsible and the Shomer is not. That's how the Raivid explained the earlier halacha in the Rambam. So now based on that, it comes out that the Rambam doesn't necessarily hold, like Rab Chaim just said, that the Shomer is responsible and not the owners. It could be the Rambam holds like the other perspective in the Raivid, that the Shomer and the owners are both responsible. So ordinarily they follow the same track. If there was no valid watching, so then they're both responsible. If there was a valid watching, so then neither is responsible, even though the Shomer did the watching and not the owner, but since the Shomer did a valid watching, so that means that when the animal damaged, it was not the kind of damage that anyone's responsible for. The only time anyone has to compensate the Nizak is for damage that comes about through liability. So there's some culpability in the damage. But if this animal was fully guarded, so there was no reason the animal should have damaged, even if there is damage done, so nobody is responsible. So the fact that the Shomer guarded the animal means that the Shomer as well as the owner are both off the hook, even though the owner did not do any watching, but since the Shomer did the watching, so he removed the culpability from both of them. So ordinarily, the Rambam would agree that in this case where there was a good watching, nobody is responsible, certainly not the Shomer, because he watched it, and not even the 
owner because he's absolved through the watching of the Shomer. Now, this case, according to the Ravid's interpretation, is an exception because here the Shomer found out that the animal got out and still he did nothing to protect the animal. So now there's a split between the Shomer versus the owner. The Shomer is still exempt because from his perspective, he did everything he was supposed to do. He tried to protect the animal as best as he could. So he does not have to pay for damages as opposed to the owner who knew that the animal was out. So from his perspective, he actually did not do what he needed to do. So when the animal goes ahead and damages, he is now liable for that because from his perspective, the animal was not watched. So that's the point of this halacha. In the Rambam, he's trying to tell us that even though from the view of the Shomer, the animal was watched properly, since the owner heard that the animal got out and did nothing, so from his view, the animal was not watched properly. So there's a split now between the Shomer and the owner, even though ordinarily they're on the same track, if it's a good watching, so then they're both exempt, and if not, then they're both obligated, but in this case, they're split, and that's why the owner is obligated and the Shomer is exempt. So that's the explanation of that halacha in the Rambam. But still, that leaves room to say that overall, the Rambam holds that the owner is still obligated even though there's a Shomer. So now that explains our Rambam as well. There is no contradiction between the case of Shomer, Shemaser, Le Shomer, and the regular halacha where the owners give the animal to a Shomer. In both cases, the Rambam holds that the first party is not exempt. So the owners are not exempt, they're still responsible. And likewise, the first Shomer also remains responsible, even though he gave it to another Shomer. So this makes sense of the view of the Rambam. But says Rab Chaim, there's still a problem, because the Ravid's interpretation of the Rambam only works according to the Ravid. It does not work according to the Rambam himself. Because there is a debate between the Rambam and the Ravid later in chapter 12, what the phrase Bechdei Yeda means. So the Gemara says that which literally translates as in order for him to know, meaning if someone finds out that their property might cause damage, so they're responsible. So there is a concept that a person knowing about an imminent damage from their property makes them responsible. The question is, what exactly does that mean? So the Ravid understands it doesn't mean that the person actually knows that their property is out there about to cause damage. It means that they could have found out. So let's say they live in a small town and it takes 10 minutes for word to travel, so they have a 10-minute interval. Let's say they live in a large city and it takes an hour, so they have an hour. It depends on how long it would take them to find out. According to the Rambam, it means that they actually found out. Not the time interval. It means that they actually know that their property is about to cause damage. Now, the Ravid's interpretation in this halacha is that the case is where the Shomer did a great watching and still the animal got out and the owners knew about it, but the Shomer did not. Now, what that means according to the Ravid is that the owners had the potential to find out. There was enough time for them to know as opposed to the Shomer who did not have the potential to find out. But neither of them actually knew. 
So that's what the halacha is telling us that even though the owner didn't actually know that the animal got out, they only had potential to know, they're still responsible as opposed to the shomer who didn't even have a chance to find out, so he's exempt. So that's the point of this halacha. But according to the Rambam, in order to say the same explanation, we'd have to say that the owners actually knew that the animal already got out from the protection. So the shomer did not know. He thought the animal was protected. Meanwhile, the owners actually knew someone told them or they saw that the animal itself was out and they still chose to do nothing. So that is incredibly obvious that of course the owners are responsible to pay in that case because they literally knew that this animal was not being watched at that moment. So there is no way whatsoever to say that they're exempt. Of course the owner needed to protect his own animal. There's no way for him to say, I thought the Shomer was doing it when according to the Rambam, he literally knew that it was not being watched. So there is no need to tell us this halacha according to the Rambam. According to the Raivit, it is teaching us that even though the owner didn't know that the animal got out, but he could have known, so he's still liable. According to the Rambam, the owner already knew that the animal was out, so it's obvious and we don't need to say this halacha. So the Raivit's interpretation does not work in the Rambam himself. So according to the Rambam, we have to say that the reason why the owners are responsible is because we're talking about an animal that always damages. So this is expected behavior. Even when they try to watch the animal, it gets out and it goes and damages. So that's why even though there was a fully good protection done since the animal got out and damaged, which is not a surprise, so the owners still have to pay. Now the reason the Shomer doesn't have to pay is because even though this is an animal which regularly damages, but still the rules of shomers are that once they do the required protection of them, so they're exempt. So the shomer chinam has to do a low level protection, the paid shomer has to do a better protection, but once they fulfill their responsibility of protection, they do not have to pay any further for damages, and if the animal gets out and damages, and in this case, since it's a regular damager, so somebody has to pay, so that obligation reverts to the owners. So the point of this halacha in the Rambam is that he's trying to teach that there's a split between the shomer and the owners in terms of watching the animal. If the animal is watched properly, so the shomer is no longer responsible because that's the rule of a shomer, that in that case he's exempt from the damages since he did his job. As opposed to the owners who are responsible if this could have been expected even if there was a very good protection done. So that's why in the case where there was a good protection done, but this damage was still expected, so the owners are responsible and the shomer does not take their place in terms of having to pay for the damages. So this split is what the Rambam is trying to teach us. So now we're back to the original formulation in the Rambam that he holds the owners are only obligated when the shomer is exempt. If the shomer is obligated, then the owners are totally exempt. So now we're back to the original idea in the Rambam that he agrees with the view that whenever the shomer is responsible to pay for damages, the owner is totally exempt. And now we have the same question, why is the first shomer any different that when he gives the animals to the second shomer, he is still responsible, unlike the owners who lose responsibility when they give it to the shomer. So Rab Chaim answers that this is still not the correct formulation 
formulation within the Rambam. Because the way he just said it is that since the Shomer is exempt, so therefore the owners are obligated. So from that it follows that the reason the owners are exempt is because the Shomer is obligated. Says Rab Chaim, it actually goes the other way. It's not that the owners are obligated when the Shomer is exempt. It goes the other way, that since the owners are obligated, therefore the Shomer is exempt. So in the case where there was a great watching, ordinarily the Shomer should still be obligated. Somebody has to pay for the damages. And since the Shomer is the one watching it, he took the animal from the owner. So it would make sense that if somebody has to pay the damages, it has to be him. There's no reason to say that since he's a Shomer and he did his job, he doesn't have to pay the damages because since there were damages and he was the one with the animal, so he's the one that should have to pay. So the only reason the Shomer is exempt is because the owner is obligated. Since there's an obligation on the owner, so therefore the Shomer gets off. So now it doesn't follow that any time the Shomer is obligated, the owner is exempt because according to this formulation, we could say that even when the Shomer is obligated, the owner is still also responsible. They're both responsible. But if the owner ends up paying, so then he's just going to reimburse himself from the Shomer. So ultimately, the Shomer does need to pay either directly to the Nizak or to reimburse the owner. But in the case where the Shomer did a solid watching, so there the Rambam is teaching us another detail of this halacha, that since the Shomer did a good watching, the only one who's responsible is the owner. The owner's responsibility extends even to that case as opposed to the Shomer. So that's all the Rambam is teaching us in this halacha, but he is not saying that overall, in a regular case where there was a Shomer and the animal damaged, only the Shomer is responsible, not the owners. So once again, in the Rambam, it's possible to say that both the owners and the Shomer are responsible. So that explains why he holds in the Shomer, Shemasa the Shomer, both Shomers are responsible because it's equivalent to the case of the owners, just like the owners are responsible, so too the first Shomer is responsible. But now, says Rab Chaim, there is another approach to explain the Rambam, and this one actually does distinguish between the owners versus the first Shomer. Because the whole concept that the Shomer assumes responsibility in place of the owners can have two formulations. The first is that when the owner gives the animal to the Shomer, the owner no longer has the status of an owner with regards to damages. So the Shomer fully assumes responsibility for any damages and the owner even though technically they own the animal but they have no responsibility in that realm anymore they're entirely out of the picture so when the animal damages the owner is not considered a mazik only the shomer is and that's why the shomer has to pay alternatively you could formulate it that the owner does still have responsibility even in the realm of damages so the owner is considered a mazik alongside the shomer they both have responsibility for the damages that occurred, but the Shomer assumes all financial responsibility to compensate the Nizak. So the Shomer has the obligation to pay even though he and the owners both are considered a mazik. They both are responsible for the actual damages, but the Shomer has full responsibility to pay. So basically the two sides are either that the Shomer is the only mazik, the owner is not considered a mazik because they're not considered responsible in that realm at all, 
or the owner is also a mazik, but the shomer is solely financially responsible to compensate the nizak. So in the financial realm, the owners have no responsibility. Now, this second approach makes a distinction between the mazik versus the person who has to pay the nizak. Now, ordinarily, that's the same thing. Whoever the mazik is has to pay for the damages. But in this case, there could be a distinction that the mazik is the owner as well as the shomer. Whereas the person who has to pay is only the Shomer. So Rab Chaim points out that the Ravid has no such idea because he suggests two approaches to understand this halacha that the Shomer has to pay the damages. Either both of them, the owner and the Shomer, are responsible. So the Nizak could collect from whoever he chooses to. So according to that approach, they're both considered a Mazik and they both have financial responsibility to pay the Nizak. Then the Ravid has a second option that only the Shomer is responsible, not the owner. Because the Ravid is talking about a case where the owner could have found out that the animal got out and the Shomer did not know that the animal got out. And still the Ravid on that case, which is how he interprets the Rambam, says that the owner has no responsibility. So we see that even though the owner could have known that this animal is not being watched, so according to the Rambam, theoretically the owner should be obligated. But the Ravid says he's not obligated in that case because the owner, once he gives it to a Shomer, is not considered a Mazik at all. So according to that perspective in the Ravid, the owner is nothing. He has no responsibility. He's not a Mazik and he doesn't pay. Whereas the Shomer is the only Mazik and he has to pay. So the Ravid never differentiates between who is considered a Mazik and who has to pay. In all cases, it's the same. Whoever is Mazik has to pay and whoever doesn't have to pay is not considered a mazik. Now, in the first perspective, the owner as well as the shomer are both a mazik and both have to pay. In the other perspective, only the shomer is a mazik and has to pay. The owner is not a mazik at all. So the Ravid never differentiates between these two concepts. But says Rab Chaim, the Rambam may have made a distinction. Now, the source that there could be a distinction between these seemingly identical concepts is the Gemara and Baba Mem that Rab Chaim discussed at length in the previous piece. If a shomer borrows an animal thinking that it's a tum and it turns out to be a muad and then it damages, so the owners have to pay half and the shoel has to pay half. So even though this animal was a muad and originally the shomer thought that he was borrowing a tum, but since even for a tum he would have to pay half, so he might as well pay half and then the rest of it the owners will fill in. So the Gemara asks, why doesn't the shomer say to the owners, why can't he just say, I wanted to borrow a tom, not a muad? So this whole borrowing was done in error, so I shouldn't have to pay anything. So the Gemara answers because the owner could say, well, even if it was a tom, you would have had to pay half. So you might as well pay the half now, which is no worse off than you would have been if you had gotten what you thought you took. So Rab Chaim points out that according to the Gemara's question, the Shomer could say to the owners, I intended to borrow a tum, and now that I got a muad, I should not be responsible. And in fact, even though the Gemara answers that question, but that logic is why the Shomer does not need to pay the full damages, only half, because he intended to borrow a tum. Says Rab Chaim, if the theory here is that the Shomer assumes the full status of the owners, so the owners are not even considered a mazik, the Shomer totally takes their place. He's the only mazik, and he has full responsibility 
responsibility for the damages of the animal. So why is he able to counter that he intended to borrow a tom and not a muad? What does it matter? Either way, he took responsibility for this animal. It's not just that he has to pay for the damages. It's that he is the new owner of this animal. So if it turns out to be a muad, he should still be responsible. How is he able to try to get out of it by saying that it was an error he intended to borrow a tom? At this point, it doesn't matter because he assumed full responsibility. He's like the owner in terms of damages. So he should have to pay whatever those damages are, whether it's a tom or a muad. And Rab Chaim adds to this that when someone borrows a tom, they are assuming full responsibility for the animal's damages. It's not that they only assume half responsibility. They are fully the owners in terms of the animal's damages. Now, there is an overall leniency that for Tom's damages, you only pay half of the damages. So that's why in this case, the Shomer would only have to pay half because that's a leniency in the payment. But there is no leniency in the responsibility. The Shomer is still fully responsible like the owners are fully responsible. The fact that they only pay half the damages is a different issue. That's a leniency in the payment process of the Tom that the person only has to pay half. But that doesn't change the fact that this person is a full mazik. And since the Shomer took that responsibility from the owners, so he's now a full mazik. So if the animal turns out to be a muad, then he should have to pay fully. How is he now arguing that he should only have to pay half because it was an error when he assumed full responsibility of this animal, even though there was a mistake in terms of how much he has to pay, but that's in terms of the payment issue. But in terms of who's responsible for the damages, the Shomer is fully responsible. So now that it turned out to be a muad, he should be fully responsible and have to pay the full damages. And finally, says Rab Chaim, the Gemara rules that in this case, each of them has to pay half. So the owner pays half and the Shomer pays half. Now, this whole concept only makes sense if we're dealing with the payments. So then we could divide it. But you can't divide who is considered the mazik. There is no way to divide that concept. So obviously when the Gemara says that they each have to pay half, it's referring specifically to the issue of payment. Now, if the halacha is that the shomer takes the place of the owners in terms of being considered a mazik, so how can the Gemara divide up that they're each obligated to pay half? In terms of who's a mazik, either the shomer is fully a mazik or they're both a mazik, in which case they both have full responsibility and you could view them as partners that they both have to pay together, but you can't say that they each only owe half. They each owe the full amount if they're both considered a mazik. So the fact that the Gemara concludes that they each owe half indicates that the regular halacha, that when a shomer is watching an animal, he's responsible for damages, is about the payment. In other words, both of them are considered a mazik, the owners as well as the shomer, but the shomer has to pay. So that's why the Gemara says that in this case, where there was an error and the shomer really only accepted to pay half damages, so he ends up having to pay half, and then the owner has to fill in the other half. So we do divide the payment in this case because the Shomer only accepted to pay half even though they're both considered a full mazik. But even though the Shomer is considered a full mazik, he does not have to pay the full damages because he only accepted to pay half the damages initially. So even though he's considered the full mazik and he has full responsibility for these damages, 
damages, we can't make him pay more than half because that's all he accepted. So that's why the owners have to fill in the rest. So based on these three questions, Rab Chaim concludes that in the Gemara, it must be the case that the Shomer as well as the owners are both considered a full mazik, but they still have to split the payment because the Shomer only accepted to pay half damages because he thought he was borrowing a tum. So that answers the three questions Rab Chaim asked on the Gemara. First of all, if the Shomer accepted responsibility, so even if it was an error, why doesn't he have to pay full damages because it turned out to be a muad? So the answer is even though the Shomer is fully responsible, so he is the mazik and he's responsible for the muad, but according to the Gemara, he only accepted to pay half damages, so we can't make him pay more. Second, Rab Chaim had asked that paying half damages for a tam is not a reflection that the mazik has less responsibility. It's just the leniency in the payment. So why should that translate to the shomer when he has full responsibility for this animal and it turned out to be a muad? So again, the answer is even though the shomer has full responsibility, but according to the Gemara, the issue is regarding the payment. We can't make him pay more than he initially accepted to pay. So in this case, he only accepted to pay half. So even though he has full responsibility, he can't pay more than half. And finally, the third question was, how does the Gemara divide the payment when both the Shomer as well as the owner are considered a mazik? So they should both be fully responsible. Again, the answer is that this Gemara is introducing the idea that even though someone is fully responsible, the Shomer only accepted to pay half. So he is not going to have to pay more than what he accepted to pay, even though he's a full mazik. So we see from this Gemara, the way Rab Chaim analyzed it, that there's a clear proof to this idea that there could be a distinction between who's a mazik versus who has to pay. And that's the whole idea of the Shomer who borrows an animal in error, that he only accepted to pay half damages, so he does not have to pay more, even though he's considered a full mazik. So he does have full responsibility in terms of being a mazik. You can't be a half a mazik, but even so, he only has to pay half, which is what he accepted to pay. So this interpretation of the Gemara is a clear proof to Rab Chaim's second formulation that a shomer does not take the full responsibility of being a mazik. Both the owner as well as the shomer are considered a mazik, but the shomer is the only one that has to pay. So there's a difference between who's a mazik versus who has to pay. And even though the owner is considered a mazik, but he does not have to pay, only the shomer has to pay. So now, if we apply this formulation to the Rambam, so it comes out that there's another element of the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Raivid holds that there is no way to differentiate between who's a mazik and who has to pay. So either both the shomer as well as the owner are considered a full mazik, and they're both fully responsible to pay. Or alternatively, only the Shomer is considered a mazik. The owner is totally out of the picture and they don't have to pay at all, even if they should be responsible because they had the potential to know that the animal got out of its protection. So those are the two options in the Raivid, both extremes of this question. The Rambam, though, has a third middle option, which is that even though the owner is considered a mazik, so he does not lose that status, he's not out of the picture, but even so, he has no obligation to pay because the full responsibility for payment is assumed by the Shomer. 
So the Shomer is the one that pays, even though both the owner and the Shomer are considered a mazik. So now in the final paragraph, says Rab Chaim, if we apply this conceptual framework back in to the views of the Rambam and the Ravid, we'll see how both of their approaches fit. The Rambam holds that when a Shomer gives the animal to a second Shomer, so the first Shomer remains responsible. Now the Gemara applies that, that he's responsible for damages to the animal. And the Rambam extends that, that he's also responsible for damages from the animal. So the Rambam says that the Nizak can come to the first Shomer and say, why didn't you watch the animal? Why did you give it to the second Shomer? I want you, the first Shomer, to pay. So the Ravid has two two questions on this approach. First of all, why should the Nizak have any preference who the Shomer is? It's one thing the owners who selected the first Shomer, but why is the Nizak able to make an argument that he prefers the first Shomer over the second Shomer? Second, the Ravid asks, if this argument works from the Nizak's end, that he can say to the first Shomer, you should have watched it, so why doesn't this go all the way back to the owners themselves? Why can't the Nizak come and say to the owners, you should have watched it. Why did you give it to a Shomer at all? So I want you to pay. So the Ravid is asking, according to the Rambam's logic, why does he stop it at the first Shomer and not go all the way back to making the owners pay the Nizak? So now Rab Chaim points out that the Ravid's questions only make sense if we say that the Shomer assumes the responsibility of the Mazik and the owners are not considered a Mazik at all. So if the whole status of a Mazik is passed along from the owners to the Shomer, so then the Ravid's questions make sense because if the second Shomer does not become the new Mazik in this case, so why should the first Shomer take that status from the owners? Why should the first Shomer be worse off than the owners? In addition, the Ravid asks, why does the Nizak care which of the watchers is considered the Mazik? Either way, he's going to get his money from whichever Shomer is the Mazik. So the Ravid's questions make sense according to that view. But if we say that the owners only pass along to the Shomer the financial obligation, not the status of a Mazik, so both the owners and the Shomer are considered a mazik, just the shomer assumes responsibility to pay, so then these two questions fall off. Because that's why the Shomer is in a worse place than the owners, because he assumed responsibility to pay, and he cannot pass along that responsibility to the second Shomer. That's not the rule of Shomer Shemaser le Shomer, which applies to the second Shomer taking responsibility from the first Shomer. But he doesn't take his financial obligations. So if this is purely a financial obligation, then of course the first Shomer can't pass it along to the second Shomer. And so of course, he's in a worse place in this regard than the owners because when they give the animal to the Shomer, he does assume financial responsibility to pay for the animal's damages. So the owner does have a leg up over the first Shomer that they're able to pass along the financial responsibility to a Shomer, whereas the first Shomer cannot do that to the second Shomer. So now, says Rab Chaim, that's the explanation for the debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. The Rambam, as he suggested, holds that there is a distinction between who's a mazik versus who has to pay. So even though the owner and the shomer are considered a mazik, only the shomer has to pay because he assumes financial responsibility.
So according to the Rambam, if that Shomer then gives the animal to a second Shomer and then the animal damages, so at that point, everybody involved in the process has the status of a Mazik. The owners are a Mazik, the first Shomer is a Mazik, and the second Shomer is a Mazik. But the only one who has financial responsibility is the first Shomer because he assumed that responsibility from the owners and he's unable to pass it along to the second Shomer because that's the application of the rule of Shomer that's what the Gemara says, that a Shomer who gives it to another Shomer, he's unable to pass off the financial responsibility of this watching to the second Shomer. That's why the Gemara says that the first Shomer is obligated. So likewise, in this case, where the first Shomer has the financial responsibility to pay, he's unable to pass that along, so he has to pay. And the Nizak can't go to the second Shomer or to the owners because the owners will say, well, we gave the financial responsibility to the first Shomer. And the second Shomer will say, a Shomer Shemasa le Shomer, the first Shomer remains obligated. So the first Shomer is obligated to pay the damages according to the Rambam. The Raivet, on the other hand, as Rab Chaim explained, holds that there is no difference between the Mazik and the person who has to pay. It's the same person. So when we say that the Shomer is obligated to pay the animal's damages, it means that he assumes the full status of a Mazik and the owner is no longer considered a mazik at all. So now in the case where the first shomer appointed a second shomer, the whole thing is going to play out differently because the first shomer assumed full responsibility from the owners and he passes that along to the second shomer. So this has nothing to do with the case of shomer shemasar le shomer, which has to do with financial liability. But the case where the animal damages works totally different. There the issue is who's a mazik? So since the first Shomer passed off responsibility to the second Shomer, the second Shomer assumes the status of a Mazik, so he has to pay. So according to the Ravid, that's why the first Shomer is no different than the owners. Just like the owners passed along full responsibility to the Shomer, the Shomer passed along full responsibility to the second Shomer, so he's totally exempt at this point. So that's why the Ravid believes that we can't apply the rule of Shomer Shemasar the Shomer in this case, because that has to do with financial liability. But in this case, we're dealing with who's considered a mazik so that the shomer can pass over to the second shomer. So according to the Raivid, even though when it comes to damages to the animal, the first shomer is still financially obligated, when it comes to the animal damaging others, so the second shomer is considered the mazik, not the first shomer. So therefore, the second shomer is responsible to pay. So that's the explanation of the Rambam and the Raivid's approaches to this halacha and how to conceptually understand them. And Rab Chaim concludes by tying this together with the issue that he discussed at length, whether the owners are responsible even though there's a Shomer. So the Raivid had a debate whether the Shomer and the owner are responsible or only the Shomer. Whereas in the Rambam, it was not clear this issue. So Rab Chaim concludes that even if the Rambam holds that the owners are totally exempt, only the Shomer is obligated, which is what the Rambam seems to hold, but even so it makes sense to differentiate that the first Shomer who gives it to a second Shomer is still responsible to pay because all he accepted was the financial obligation to pay. Not that he's totally responsible for this situation, so that financial obligation he's not able to pass over to the second Shomer. So the Rambam's view fits in even if he holds that the owners are totally exempt, but the first Shomer is still responsible. 
possible, and there is a logic to differentiate between the Shomer Shemasa, the Shomer, versus the owners who gave the animal to a Shomer. So this is Rab Chaim's long piece to explain this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. There is a three-way debate regarding the halacha of Shomer Shemasa, the Shomer. The Gemara clearly says that if a Shomer gives the animal to a second Shomer, and then the animal is damaged, so according to Rava, the first Shomer is responsible to pay. The question is, how does that play out when the animal damages someone else's property. So according to Rashi, there is no halacha of Shomer Shemasa le Shomer, and clearly the second Shomer is responsible. On the other extreme is the Rambam, and he holds that there is a full application of Shomer Shemasa le Shomer, even when the animal damages. So the first Shomer is responsible to pay the Nizak, not the second Shomer. Then there's the view of the Raivin in the middle. He seems to hold that it's possible the first Shomer is obligated, but it's also possible that he's not. So Rab Chaim tries to explain that the conceptual debate between the Rambam and the Raivid is whether there's a way to split up who's the mazik versus who is financially responsible. So the Raivid takes the simpler approach that the mazik and who has to pay are the same person. There's no way to divide those two people. So that's why according to the Raivid, Shomer Shemasa le Shomer does not apply in this case because we're dealing with who's considered the mazik, not who has to pay. So since the Shomer gave the animal to a second Shomer, that second Shomer assumed responsibility. And since he's considered the Mazik, so he has to pay. So according to the Raivid, the first Shomer is off the hook. Now there's a separate issue. The Raivid is unsure whether the owners are responsible as well as the Shomer or not. So that's why it depends whether the first Shomer is responsible, depending on whether the owners could ever get out of this or not. So according to the Raivid, it's possible that the first Shomer and the owners and the second Shomer are all considered a mazik, or it's possible that only the last person in the chain is. On the other hand, the Rambam divides between who's the mazik versus who has to pay. So that opens the possibility that even though the owner is considered a mazik, but they're totally exempt from paying because the Shomer took that financial responsibility, and that financial responsibility he cannot pass along to the second Shomer because that's the same halacha of Shomer Shemasa le Shomer. So that explains the view of the Rambam as well. So the key conceptual points in this piece are picking up from the previous piece, whether there can be a distinction between who has to pay and who's considered the mazik. And also, Rab Chaim develops at length the whole issue of whether the owners remain responsible even though the Shomer has to pay. And he again emphasizes the comment of the Raivid that has two perspectives on this issue, which was a key source in the previous piece. And in this piece, he explores at length how to fit the Rambam into that whole issue. Now, it's worth pointing out that the Beis Yosef has a totally different read of this Rambam from Reb Chaim. So the whole issue Reb Chaim's been analyzing in this long piece, according to the Beis Yosef, there is no such Rambam. He interprets this totally different. And this is not in his commentary, Kesef Mishnah, on the Rambam, but rather in the Beis Yosef on the tour at the end of Choshen Mishpat, Simen Shin Tzadi Vav. So there the Beis Yosef comments that the Rambam never meant to say that the first Shomer has to pay. The Rambam agrees with the Ravid's critique that both Shomers are responsible and the Niza could choose to collect from either one. So according to the Beis Yosef, there is no such view that Rab Chaim's been explaining that the first Shomer is responsible. Now, why did the Ravid question the Rambam if the Rambam also means that? So the Beis Yosef has a very interesting analysis of this. He says that the Ravid had a slightly different version of what the Rambam actually says. So at the end of the 
the halacha, the Rambam says that if the second Shomer was his son or his helper, someone that would have been expected. So the version of the Rambam that the tour has says, The second Shomer is in place of the first Shomer and is responsible to pay. The Hashomer Pater and the first Shomer is exempt. So the implication of this formulation in the Rambam is that in the second halacha, only the second Shomer is obligated. The first one is exempt. But in the first halacha, the first Shomer is obligated while the second Shomer is exempt. So it's an either-or situation. Either the first one is obligated or the second one is obligated. But says the Beis Yosef, there is a different version of the Rambam, which we have in our Rambams, where all he says at the end is, Nichnesu taqsa Shomer v'chayavim that the son or the helper are in place of the Shomer and they are obligated to pay. So the implication of that formulation is that in the second case, only the second Shomer has to pay, whereas in the first case, either the first Shomer or the second Shomer could pay. So they're both responsible. So the Beis Yosef says that the Ravid who criticizes the ruling of the Rambam and he says that both Shomers should be responsible, not only the first one, he must have had the Tours version of the Rambam, whereas of According to our printed editions of the Rambam, there is no such implication. And the Rambam would agree with the Ravid that both of the Shomers are responsible. So obviously the reading of the Beis Yosef is totally different than Rab Chaim. Rab Chaim sets out to defend the Rambam the way he was understood by the Ravid.